everybody. I'm Marianne Katsidis, and this is the Heart-Led Changemaker podcast. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where it felt so juicy and inspired that it left you feeling energized and ready to take on the world? There have been countless times I wished I could have recorded conversations like that because it felt criminal that no one else got to hear or experience that feeling. Those conversations ignite something inside of you because you visualize a new way to connect with others and sometimes even a new world. This show will provide you with ways to stay focused on the future, some food for thought, new ideas and concepts, a way to create abundance ethically, a showcase of those already doing the work and succeeding, and a sense of connection. Being a change maker can be very lonely, so this will serve as a community for heart-led warriors. Sit back and let this high-vibe, heartfelt conversation light you up. Today's guest is photographer Rylan Hormel, who travelled across the United States from Alaska to Florida, asking people when do they feel free. The result? a collection of over a hundred handwritten responses alongside photographs that he has put in his new book, When Do You Feel Free? Ryland's work as a photographer, designer, storyteller, and sociological artist is grounded in sharing the humanity of the world. Ryland, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a true honor to be here. Awesome. So uh, you're in America in Laguna Beach currently? Yeah, I am. I'm down in Laguna Beach visiting my family right now. I actually just had a book event at my my cousin's store here in Laguna. That's a clothing brand, but he's designed this really cool storefront that's more of like a clubhouse. So it's it's really about bringing people together. You walk in and there's like a little bar, coffee shop area, you know, free drinks for people. They're never trying to sell anybody on clothing, but they're trying to ask people how their day is and then just have them come and hang out. And so we had a really fun book event there. But normally I live in Sausalito out in the Bay Area. I grew up in San Francisco. Yes. And so you have such a unique story. Let's start with the book, first of all. How did you come up with the concept for something like that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great question because I think back on the creative process and it's this kind of magical, almost mystical thing that, and just the nature of it is, it's really fascinated me now being at the end of the, the project, right? It started in the middle of COVID. I was in San Francisco feeling slightly claustrophobic with the whole quarantine claustrophobic of the kind of just bubble of thought in in that city and feeling really disconnected from from the rest of not just the world but of of America specifically right of other states of other perspectives and well i went into a vintage like thrift store and in that kind of shopping spree, I found this book called The Cowboy Hero. And I picked it up for some reason. I'm not completely sure why, but I picked it up and I started reading it. And it was cool because it was kind of like a sociological look into the cowboys in America. And sociology was my background in my undergraduate studies. And it talked about cowboys and advertising, music, movies, all of that. But it did not mention anything about like the actual cowboy, right? Like the professional cowboy. 
Now, I have a cousin who is a professional cowboy, and he lives in New Mexico. He's around my age, and he's one of my closest friends. And so I got interested in that kind of lifestyle, in that profession, all of the dynamics of which it consists of. So I gave him a call, and I was like, hey, cuz, can I come out and document your profession and your life for a few weeks? One of the things, just to go on a slight tangent here, one of the things I love about the camera and having a creative medium like that is that I never really considered myself a photographer. I still, I, I have trouble, I guess, with like anchoring too much identity on who I am because I, I'm just living, right? I'm living my life. But the camera is, for me, is this tool of connection. It's a tool to engage with life and the wonders that come with it. And so anytime I have a curiosity and I want to go get deeper into that, find a, a more intimate connection into whatever I'm I'm interested in, well, the camera is my bridge to do so, right? So I called him up. It's like, hey, cuz, can I come document your, your profession for a few weeks? So, yeah, sure. But we're going to have to teach you how to ride horses because we'll leave your ass behind if you can't keep up. Uh, but we'd love to have you. So I went and lived with him on, on his ranch for, for about a month. They taught me how to ride the first like three days there, just no training wheels, threw me right into it. I still have scars on my legs from that, but I had the time of my life. It was so much fun. And eventually he took me out on a handful of jobs with him that I actually had to end up participating in more than I had anticipated, <laughs> but it was thrilling and just, yeah, it was just an experience I'll never forget. But it was after these long, hard days of work where I'd be sitting around with my cousin and with a handful of other cowboys, and every single one of them mentioned something about freedom within our conversations. Usually along the lines of, we may not make a lot of money doing this work, but we are free to live the life that we want. And so that was the seed that kind of provoked this word freedom within me, which had already been a huge value in my life of someone that never wanted to work a nine to five job, never wanted too many boundaries that other people put on me. And, you know, I, I've always kind of wanted to cultivate that freedom from within as much as I can. So I took that idea back to San Francisco and I was workshopping a project around cowboys and, and freedom with one of my mentors and teachers, Carolyn Cook. And it was in the middle of kind of workshopping this after a few sessions where she just asked me out of curiosity, well, when do you feel free? And it was one of those rare moments in life where it felt like time just stopped. <laughs> and it was a shockwave that came through my body. And I noticed that what happened was my perspective very quickly began to change. That question helped me see that the way I had been thinking about freedom was as this kind of fictional place or destination that once I have this much money or this car or this house, I'm in this relationship as examples, I'll then give myself permission to feel free or to be free, or if that's when freedom will exist in my life. And that question, when do you feel free, it kind of helped anchor me back in the present moment. And just, I began to reflect on all of the moments that past week of which I experienced freedom, the big ones and the small ones, all the way to just going on a walk with my dog, right? And it was the first time I think I had ever really considered freedom as an emotional state or as a feeling. So I didn't come up with the question, right? Someone asked me, but it, it had such a profound impact on my perspective that 
I just got curious to ask other people. So I was selling my work at farmer's markets at the time. And one day I just decided to set up a little table with some three by five blank note cards, a stack of pens, and just ask people to answer that question anonymously and then hang them up alongside my tent. And before I knew it, it was just a rush. You know, people just were all over wanting, not caring at all about my work, but wanting to engage in this question. And then the next week, those same people came back with new answers. And we're like, hey, I've been thinking about that question all week. And I want to share my perspective with you. I have a new perspective to write down. It was after that where I felt like, okay, this clearly has some type of power to it. And I felt like I had no choice but to to dive deeper. And so then I got curious, you know, recognizing that this was concentrated to the perspective of the Bay Area or of San Francisco specifically, which has a certain archetype of an individual. And I was just curious, like, well, what would someone in Florida think? What would someone in Georgia or in New Mexico? And so that's where I began to design this road trip around traveling across America, hitting as many different locations as I could and surrounding myself from people of all different communities, all different walks of life, because I felt like that was a really important piece of this work was to bring in perspectives from every corner of humanity. And I wanted to find ways to take this very loaded word of freedom, especially in America, where it feels like a lot of times it's very disconnecting, right? Where there's, and I guess I'll jump ahead a little bit here, but I think it's a good point to just anchor ourselves in this conversation around freedom. And I really learned this working on this project and engaging in hundreds of hours of conversations with strangers where freedom, the way I see it at least, has freedom has kind of two sides of a coin. One side is is extrinsic freedom. This is kind of freedom that is derivative. It's because of something. I kind of identify it as societal freedom. That freedom is not created equal, right? We all have different access points to that side of freedom, depending on so many different variables, our race, our gender, our ethnicity, our socioeconomic status, et cetera, et cetera, right? But then there's this other really beautiful side of freedom that's the inherent side of freedom, right? It's the freedom that just exists within us within its own right. It's non-derivative, right? And that's the freedom that I see connects us all, that we can all find some type of thread of compassion and understanding amongst one another. So I got really interested in exploring that side of freedom. And I wanted to explore it in such a way that then helped provoke people to think more deeply about the other side of freedom and then find ways to build bridges to help celebrate and amplify and empower the freedoms of others. So that's kind of the the longer version of the story of how it went from me picking up this book about cowboys to then living with the cowboys to then someone asking me the question. And then before I knew it, I was in Alaska with fishermen and I was driving from San Francisco all the way to the other side of America to Georgia, jumping in the water on the East Coast and then driving all the way back with hundreds of portraits and hundreds of handwritten perspectives to the question. I mean... 
where to even begin with the things that you've just been saying. So first of all, I I love that you were continuing to use the word curiosity. Being curious about people is such an underrated value and, and an underrated action. I think a lot of people are really afraid to be curious. And that makes me sad because I'm a very curious person and I can feel sometimes people are, they get overwhelmed when you're too curious about them because that means that they have to be vulnerable, right? But the fact that these people were longing it feels like they were longing to answer the question that their soul has probably been guiding them to about when do you feel free I I guess that's why you know I wanted to interview you because I could feel that energy in the way that you were telling those stories and the way that you shared them I mean the, the photographs are remarkable and their answers and their stories too are just so special and all of them so unique and so different and it is it's that freedom within is it is unique for all of us and it's got nothing to do with the finances it's got nothing to do with our circumstances it is that feeling and feel is a big deal for me that feeling within what is it that in your day that can create that freedom and I think I think our audience that are listening today could ask themselves that question and increase that because when I look at some of the things that really drive me crazy or you know when you look at society sort of driving your want for things and, you know, getting to those goals, like I need to do this and I need to have this. And then when I get to this, I'll feel free. And when I get to this, but that at all the the things that we've achieved, you still don't feel that unless you're feeling that true sense of freedom within, like those things mean nothing with or without that you can find freedom. I mean, I I can't remember who it was. I think it was um, Dr. Martini who said, even people who are in prison can find freedom because it's freedom in the way that they're choosing to feel. And that's true. Like it's not, it's not specific to any one circumstance or any, you know, one action Uh, It is just the way that we think about things. And I love that. And I especially love, love what you were saying about how you don't want to classify yourself and pigeonhole yourself as just a photographer because you don't want your identity attached to any one specific thing. And I, as an artist myself, I never even thought about that because even that feels free. Like I sometimes feel like I have to, I have to sort of choose one lane, but I don't want to feel like I have to, because I love so many different things and I want to be able to explore as an artist. I want to be able to explore all of those things. So talking about it like that, I haven't heard anyone else say it like that before. That resonates so deeply. And I can only imagine hearing all of those people's stories, how how moving it must have been for you and only added to your reflection, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think what you were mentioning about, who was it, Martini? Yeah, Dr. Yeah, Dr. Martini. Yeah, it, it reminds me of this book by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, and similar kind of thread where he was a, a psychotherapist, designed this form of therapy called logotherapy, which was around this the premise of if you identify the why in your life then you can access more happiness and he ended up in f- surviving four concentration camps they destroyed all of his work yet he had to rely on what he created to survive and there's a quote in the book by Frederick uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche. I always am bad at pronouncing that last name, but it's he who has a why to live for can bear with almost any how. And I think what I love about that is that it helps, for me, it helps me understand how to access these 
internal states where it's a, the recognition that everything we want, the joy, the happiness, the love is abundant, right? It's not something we have to go acquire artificially as much as we have to just find ways to ground ourselves enough with awareness so that we can uncover it within our own lives because it's all there. And the opposite of that would be in this kind of scarcity mindset, right? Where you are constantly operating from a place of urgency. And that's something recently that I've been really tapped into with myself of, I just don't want to bring that word anywhere into my life, whether it's personal relationships or business, just everything I do. I don't want to be urgent because urgent moves me away from that place of abundance, right? And I think that's a reflection too on where freedom can be for us, right? No matter the circumstances, no matter our background, we all have the ability to experience that word. And compassionately, we all have the ability to be connected by that word. And as many different answers as I collected in the book, I was amazed by the similarities of some of them, right? From Mr. Freddie, who is an 87-year-old man selling peanuts on the side of the road in Ocala, Florida, to a fisherman in, in Alaska, right? And how they have a similar perspective on freedom, yet they're hundreds, I mean, just thousands of miles apart, right? And have never met before. But I, I love seeing these kind of commonalities between people from all different walks of life. Absolutely. And time, you know, even just time, you know, when you think about scarcity, time is a big one that is driving that urgency. When, you know, our society is is sort of made to make us feel like we're running out of time to achieve all the things. But time is a is a construct, right? You can change, you can, you can delay time, you can grow time, you can manipulate time. If you're into all the energetic side of things, I am, I'm not sure if you are, but you can create plenty of time for yourself. And that is in abundance. There is never a time where it's going to run out. And that even that has been a theme lately with some of the guests that I've been talking to about that feeling like you're going to miss out or, you know, people are ahead of you, all of those things. And it's it's been really a theme over the last few months that I'm I'm hearing from the people, not only just the people that I'm interviewing, but even with clients and, and friends too, family. It just feels like we're sort of encouraged to stay in that scarcity mindset, to stay in that lack feeling, whether it's financial or, you know, career-wise or goals or whatever it is, but especially with time. And, and when you're in that urgency, you're not grounded. You're not able to create in that space, especially as an artist like yourself. How, how could you possibly create your best work when you've got this looming sense of urgency propelling you and sort of like feeding that that fear mode? For me, I can't, you know, create from that space or connect in that space. I don't feel good in that space. And I'm sure, I'm sure as an artist, you know, that resonates. Do you feel like that was a theme around time with the people that you were talking to as well? Oh, without a doubt. And I think so much of what you just were talking towards, I, I think about the structure of our societies and, you know, you're in Australia, I'm in America, yet there's so many similarities in terms of governmental structure, corporate structure, structure within education, within relationships. And well, some of that is there for growth, for protection or whatever. So much of it is also there to control our ability to experience pleasure. Yeah. Right. So then the question comes up, well, then what happens if we decide to walk a path outside of that? Right. And it's a courageous path. 
right? It does take courage to do so because you don't get the benefit of someone else telling you what to do or what you can or can't do, right? And so one of the things I really learned, and this is where I think freedom is just, it's such a powerful word because it touches every facet of our lives, right? And especially when we're talking about time, right? Where if we decide to walk that path, that creative path, and when I say creative path, it can be an artistic one, it can be an entrepreneurial one, it can be anything. It's But it's actively choosing to create in your own life. And where freedom comes in is that, again, it's how I see it, is that freedom and discipline have this incredible relationship with one another. And it seems counterintuitive in some ways because you think, okay, well, discipline means that I have to be rigid, right? Or I have to do this instead of doing that. But then the more you engage with self-discipline, you then realize that the very act of being disciplined also creates freedom because it creates time, right? You're no longer wasting time, but you're co-creating with life in a way where you are engaged with the time spent from a place of intention and awareness. And so I've really adopted that in my life since working on this project, realizing that, okay, if I am prioritizing the things I want to, and I'm able to build healthy habits and boundaries and structures, then I'm able to achieve the things I am setting out to do. And so discipline creates freedom. And I think there's there's a book I recently read called The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. And I, I would highly recommend it to definitely any artist, but really anybody out there would, I think, could benefit from it. And he he talks about in one section about creati- like creativity and discipline and how the great artists in the world have a very disciplined structure to their life. And I definitely had to rely on that to make this book. And I think beyond just making something, I rely on it to feel fulfilled and happy in my life too. Absolutely. And I feel like that's true for all artists. A lot of the time, I mean, there's sort of two parts. The first one is, of course, we create art because it is fulfilling. Whatever you're working on, no matter what kind of art you're creating, it goes into an incubator for a while. And then you know, it it tells you when it's ready, whether you're painting, whether you're writing, whether you're taking beautiful photographs, whatever it is, I think the art talks to you. And I think a lot of people don't understand that about the art process. A lot of my uh, paintings are layers on top of layers on top of layers because it's not time yet and my energy is moving through all of those layers one by one and sometimes it can be you know one day sometimes it can be months to have one canvas finished and and I I am in full allowing of that because I I respect and understand that process but I also love the fact that you were saying about the co-creating and how discipline actually self-discipline actually gives us more time and more freedom. And that is so true as well. If I don't structure my time to play, which is freedom, then I feel sad. I feel depleted. I don't feel like I can have energetic, you know, energized conversations like this. I don't feel like I can give my clients, my family, my friends, my loved ones, the best of me when I'm not in play. And that is a discipline because it's very easy, exactly like what you were saying, you know, our our governments, our society, all, all the structures want us to stay in these rigid formats, but that play actually leads to freedom. But that also means that you have to have discipline to make the time to do it because it's really easy to just put it aside while you're 
you're getting all the tasks done, whether you're a parent, whether you're, you know, working two or three jobs, whatever it is, it's easy to just stay in that wheel on the hamster when you actually use that discipline to create that space and that freedom for yourself, then abundance is everywhere. Do you feel like that? Have you seen that with the people that you've been talking to, the people who are choosing to operate from that model? Without a doubt. And I think it it surprised me where freedom and discipline sometimes came from a, a very unexpected place. For example, I did interview a few people who spent years in prison and they all talked about the discipline that came out of that experience. And even one of them mentioned that he needed to go to prison to feel free, right? Because it also woke him up to to what he wanted in life, right? And I know that's not true for everyone that goes through that experience, right? It's a very dark corner of our world. But the the people I I got to to interview that that experienced that darkness were able to persevere out of it. And that takes a lot of discipline to do so, right? That's why so many people aren't able to do that. And I don't blame the individual from that standpoint. I think that is a completely failed structure and it is really sad to me, but it just shows you that there are the ones that are able to make it through that and then are able to build a life beyond that. I mean, they're few and far between, but the amount of work and discipline required is I get goosebumps thinking about it today, right? They had to go so many steps above everybody else to build a life for themselves beyond that. But again, it just, it's a, it's an example of what is possible. And I think there's kind of, there's a couple of things I believe to be true in the world. One is that life is going to life, right? Like we're going to have good experiences and bad experiences, and we can't really control that. Right. The other one is that if we don't choose to be disciplined within ourselves, someone else will do that for us. Right. And so that's where for me, it's just that reminder that, okay, if I'm if I'm not choosing to to make the most out of this experience, then someone will take advantage of that. And I don't want to let that happen. Right. But it doesn't mean every day is going to just be easy. But I think discipline also helps us. I guess discipline makes makes the bad days mediocre, right? And it makes the good days great. Where without it, it makes those bad days terrible and those good days rare. And so I really think discipline is the most important element to sustained freedom, where the question, when do you feel free, I think is beautiful because I think it can help us tap into freedom as an emotion, as a feeling, and help uncover the arenas of which we're able to experience it. For example, I love surfing and stand-up paddleboarding. I feel free in the water. I love music and dancing and expression. So once I'm able to identify those activities as arenas of freedom for myself, I now know to walk towards them more often. But now that I've identified these different areas where I, I love to experience freedom and freedom exists for me, well, now I can create discipline around my lifestyle to access it more often. That's where like freedom and discipline almost become these like tools of the canvas of life that you be- you begin to design and paint and create the way of which you want to live. Oh, that's a 
that's a chef's kiss. That, I mean, <laughs> that is just, I need to put that in a social media post and capture that. That is, yeah. that was magic. Thank oh, you. I don't even sorry. remember what I, I said. Well, you know, because you're channeling, but the, the fact that you're referencing the canvas and the paint and to find that freedom. Oh, that was beautiful. I love that. So, I, I mean, you're just staying on that topic for a minute. You also have another business where you're holding retreats. So you're having people who are healing through their shadow aspects. And even that takes discipline. Don't you agree? Like it takes discipline and determination to work through the darkest parts of your soul, that the, the parts that are wounded, that are hurting. But also when you keep that discipline, you're finding more freedom within because your soul is lightening. So it's in that aspect as well. It's in so many different components of our life. But I think uh, a lot of people are afraid to start that healing journey because they think it's going to be too overwhelming when in actual fact it's if they show a little bit of determination and discipline they will find the freedom that they are craving so badly and have probably wanted for many many years have are you seeing that in that space as well yeah i really am and i think a part of discipline i i mentioned this before is the word courage there's another book that really impacted me called Letting Go by Dr. David R. Hawkins and another psychotherapist. But in the book, he he created this chart of our emotions that are kind of calibrated from an energetic field. And he used the study of kinesiology. I think he did this in the 60s. It was a, a wild kind of breakthrough because he was able to kind of connect these kind of spiritual, more out there concepts with science and show energetically how they're, uh, they are acted out within us. But in this chart, we have, you know, kind of a middle line, we have negative on the bottom, and then positive going all the way up to, you know, the very top of the positive scale would be like enlightenment, and then peace, joy, happiness on the bottom of the negative scale would be shame and guilt, right, which we all know, and have experienced, and it's terrible, right at the point of neutrality is courage, where courage isn't a good or a bad thing. But and right below courage is pride, which I think is really interesting. But what I love about this and where it changed my life is that I now see courage as the the very action. It became an action for me after seeing this. Courage is now the action to trip me from a negative frequency into a positive one. And that can be courage in both big or small ways. There's times where, for example, I guess to talk about it personally, well, I was working on this book. I was in New Orleans and I was having a great time. And then I got COVID for the second time on the journey. And this time was a really bad bout of it for me. I mean, it almost took me to the hospital. And after I recovered, I was very depressed. It just began to eat away at my mind. And there was one day where I just found myself on the couch feeling really just apathetic towards everything, right? I just wasn't energized. I wasn't, I was disconnected from myself. I was disconnected from my purpose. And I, I remember just thinking, okay, I need to be courageous right now. And what does that look like for me in this very moment? In that very moment, it wasn't going to run a marathon. It was just getting off my couch and agreeing with myself that I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk outside. And if I want to go back to the couch after and be sad, I'm allowed to, but let's just see what happens if I do that. And sure enough, I come back from the walk and I'm a little bit more positive, right? I'm not all the way to a place of happiness yet, but I'm now I'm moving into that kind of positive state in that realm. And so courage, I think, is this beautiful word that just 
we can follow as this action when we're not feeling like ourselves. Just ask yourself, what is a courageous thing I can do right now? And it doesn't have to be ridiculous. Make it achievable, right? Make it small so that you can, you know, start to take those baby steps into maybe going to run a marathon, right? But I bring that up because the retreats that I run called Live Better, they are wellness-based retreats. We, you know, do most of them in El Salvador where surfing is a big part of it. So surfing, yoga, meditation, workshops, breath work, and all of those different elements are, are beautiful bonuses to really the most important piece of it, which is human connection. It's just about creating a container, a safe container container of which people who are like-minded, but also have a variety of perspectives and experiences can come together and share meals and share conversations and to be vulnerable and to cry and to experience life in a, in a very deep way, just through human, human connection. But I bring up courage because everybody that comes on one of those experiences with us is showing an action of courage just by being there. I've gone to experiences outside of our retreats and it's always a little nerve wracking going in that feeling of, of being nervous that, you know, those butterflies, that's courage within us just reminding us that, okay, yeah, we're doing something good for ourselves right now. So I really find that where that courage is leading for people within our retreats are, is the seeking of something more, something deeper within their lives. And really my passion within those experiences is helping people, A, believe in themselves. I mean, it's one of the greatest joys I get out of life is just hyping people up and helping them see how freaking beautiful they are and how great they are and how much they can achieve. Because I think without internal belief, it's really hard to do anything. We can get by, but I think that getting by usually has an expiration date. But once you tap into that belief, life becomes limitless. Beyond helping people believe in themselves, it's helping them connect with their purpose, with their meaning. And I say connect, not necessarily create, because I believe it's inherent going back you know, to what we were talking about with freedom. I believe that purpose, that meaning, it's within us. So for me as a facilitator, as a teacher, I'm not putting anything into anyone. I'm not telling anyone what to do. I'm just asking questions. I'm just holding space so that they can do the work to to rip off that comforter of their soul and see what's really there, right? That's really, I think, a big piece of it is just moving along that kind of crescendo of, you know, you have courage that leads into self-realization, self-acceptance, deep belief. And within that helps us kind of touch and and hold on to and see and 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 uncover what our purpose and meaning is in life. And then from there, beautiful things happen. And I know for you, I remember reading that you work with like purpose, purpose-based brands and companies. And I'm curious, I guess, like, have you noticed your ability to help companies and organizations to connect with their purpose? Like what happens to their growth, to their employees, their community, once that kind of chord is struck? That's a that's a good question. I, I guess um, the work that you're doing and the work that I'm doing is pretty much the same. We're just using different tools, but ultimately we're helping people share their story and their truth and their purpose. So when I talk to clients, often I am, you know, we start, I, I mean, I only 
start if they know what their why is and and their why needs to be beyond just making money because that's boring to me and the conversations are very limiting. But when you're working with people who are purpose-based, their conversations are very expansive. They are wanting to create an impact, whether it's to leave a legacy for their family, whether it's to impact their community, whether one of them has world peace as their why. And that's fine. I mean, that's huge. That's like right out there. But regardless, their actions and the choices that they make, the way that we talk about expressing their brand and showcasing their brand, all of that is the foundation. So all of that comes back to does this match, you know, what we stand for, what we're trying to say? Does this match, you know, the language? And are we going to reach people? Does it does it make sense? Can people put those two things together? And so the interesting thing about the clients that I work with is they're not the majority of my clients, which is so hilarious. They don't actually need more clients. They don't need more sales. They don't need, they could, they absolutely could. And all of them acknowledge that, but that's actually not what they want. They want a brand that tells their story. So the brilliant thing for me is we're not talking about driving sales, even though that is an outcome of the work we're doing. That's like the cherry on the top, but that's not, you know, that's not the meat and guts of it all. But the storytelling, the showcasing of who the the individuals are within the organization, and all of that helps with recruitment. All of that helps with employee engagement. So their staff are really on board as a result of the fact that they're actually wanting to operate in that way. And it is challenging for me because the majority of the businesses out there, I would say 98% of the population are not operating in that way. But if they did, wow, would the things change for them? I mean, even the big corporates, they I think a lot of the big corporates, from my perspective, they throw uh, funds, they throw money at things, but their company is still not doing great things to the environment or to the economy or whatever it is. And so that becomes a conflict in my mind because, you know, I I want to work with people who are truly wanting to help others in whichever way that they can. And, and the first way that they can is working with their staff and having their people feel supported. One of my clients has programs where they're not only them, but their whole families can go and talk to psychs and, and other therapists and, and they've got that full support. So it's not not just you, you know, getting a, a bonus every year and, you know, an occasional dinner. This is actually a whole, com- they're thinking about the community of that individual that's working for them too. And they are very much a family and they've got 20 staff and continue to grow. But those people are there for years on end and not in a toxic way, you know, where people just stay for years on end and you're like, they're just trying to kill time till they get their long service or whatever. It's not like that. It is because they've cultivated a place for growth and they, and those people, People can grow and the conversations for growth in that in those businesses is brilliant because they are also giving their their staff freedom and that is again the captures our conversation right everything is about that and so I was a kinesiologist you were referencing that before I was a kinesiologist and a therapist so a lot of my work has that influence in it but I attract clients who are operating yeah have you read that book 
No, no, I haven't. No. Are you familiar with Dr. David Hawkins? No, no, I'm not. Uh, But I understand that model. And I often describe you've got, you know, depression on one end and joy and bliss on the other. And in that middle is the neutral. So I, I do use that model a lot in what I'm talking about. So that philosophy makes sense to me. But I use that with clients as well. When we talk about where are they on the scale? Like, how do they feel about their brand? How do they feel about their actions, their impact on the world? How do they feel? about their legacy and then that's the conversation it's not about most of the time I'm providing strategic advice and social media management so I'm creating their story and I can do all the creative stuff but I'm more interested in how they want their brand to feel and what do they want the people engaging with their brand how do they want those people to feel as well and that that is where the success for me is and that's where the joy is and that's where my freedom is too right yeah and I think everything you're alluding to here goes back to what we were saying before about urgency and this abundance in life. And once you can tap into it, all of the things that you desire or think you desire begin to happen. It almost requires getting to a point of surrender to then to gain what we what we want. And I think whether you're an organization, a brand, or an individual, a personal brand, it's the same thing that that tapping into that purpose that that and and uncovering that belief within yourself, it then removes that scarcity. It removes that urgency, right? That word no it can't urgency can't exist within purpose, right? And when I say like don't be urgent, I don't mean like don't go do anything, right? It's not being lazy. It's being purposeful, right? It's so different than being urgent and needing something, right? But as we get into that arena of feeling purposeful, we can then let go and surrender and not feel like we have to arrive anywhere because we're in love with the process. We're in love with the becoming, with the creating. And that's where I love being a an artist in this way and, and just creating. For me, it's not about the final work, right? The final work is, is a direct reflection of my level of awareness, involvement, and enjoyment with the process. And so again, that goes back to to the power of when do you feel free? It helped me realize that being in this destination focused mindset of obsessing over these fictional places where we can arrive if we acquire certain things never works, right? And it's about falling in love with the process. And if we desire more happiness in our lives, it's not about just waking up tomorrow and and having all of that. It's just making those steps every single day and just being engaged in, in the process no matter what. And then to tie it all back in, that's where discipline comes in. Discipline helps us sustain our ability to be in love with the process. Yes. And it, and it is, it's softening and actually letting yourself enjoy the unfolding. And sometimes it, you know, we want to know what's going to happen next, but actually if we just focus on joy and focus on creating that freedom within, we're going to inevitably find that. And of course we will. It has been so lovely to chat with you today. I've got 700 other questions, of course. However, I know we've, we're on a time limit. So in the immediate for the audience listening, how can they best connect with you? Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you too. And you know, I know I'm in a a little bit of a time crunch, so I think we'll have to do it again. Yeah, we and will. Yeah, dive in all these other other topics. The audience can connect with me. Probably the best way is through Instagram. 
It's at Rye Hormel. That's R-Y-H-O-R-M-E-L. And I love meeting new people as I hope that's reflected in my book. So I would be happy to connect with anybody that's listening here, answer any questions, and I'd be curious about them as well. So Rye Hormel or my website, rylandhormel.com. And you can see more of my work there. And to, to kind of tie that back into purpose and, and human connection, a lot of the way I try to move forward with my photography and my art is to find ways to not just connect with humanity, to, but to help people connect more deeply with themselves by way of connecting with others. And so that's the point of creating a coffee table book where there's hundreds of strangers all across America, where you never know whose perspective might absolutely change your day. And I like to create these kind of pieces that almost feel like a, a visual meditation, if that makes sense. Seriously, that just brings me so much joy. That's why this podcast exists. So I can interview beautiful humans like yourself. This is my version of your book, right? Where Because I'm asking them why they want to be change makers, what lights them up, what, you know, how they're leading from the heart space. This is the same thing. We're doing the exact same thing, just different tools, but you are incredible. I will, if you're willing, I would love to have you back on the show because I, I do have plenty of other questions that I didn't even get to because the conversation just... Oh, just absolutely amazing. Thank you for sharing your perspective on freedom. And uh, again, thank you for being on the show today. No, thank you so much for having me. And that's a done deal. We will definitely do. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs>